You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Jim Wolfrey, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast where we interview great sporting coaches to try and find ideas to help us all lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Tracy Menzies-Stegbauer. Tracy is an awarded high-performance swimming coach. For 10 years, she worked at the Australian Institute of Sport and with Swimming Australia, coaching at both World Championship and Olympic events. For 15 years, Tracy coached at the renowned Sutherland Leisure Centre in Sydney beside Doug Frost, taking over as head coach in her final five years. She has coached countless household names and internationally recognised swimmers such as Craig Stevens, Kai Hurst, Simon Cowley and Kirsten Thompson. Tracy is best known as friend and former coach of five-time Olympic champion Ian Thorpe, coaching him in his run to the Athens Olympics which saw him become the only person in Olympic history to medal in the 100, 200 and 400 combination. Today, Tracy walks the pool deck coaching the next generation of Australian swimmers at Rackley Parkinson in Queensland, Australia. Tracy is a down-to-earth, open and honest coach and mentor. She puts so much of herself into an athlete's development, making a connection that she describes as being part of her coaching family and one that lasts long after her role of a coach is over. What stood out for me is her description that as a coach, her role is to find the right key to open the door of an athlete's unique abilities, her level of care and empathy so that her athletes know no matter what happens, she is always there for them. And of course, those special moments coaching Ian Thorpe leading up to the events of Athens in 2004. 
Tracy speaks intensely about being grateful for the gifts given to her in her life. We were grateful for the time she gave and the impact she made on us. We hope you enjoy our discussion with the wonderful Tracy Menzies Stegbauer. The Great Coaches Podcast. Tracy Menzies Stegbauer, welcome to the podcast and thank you for making time to speak to us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, I feel very privileged to be asked, so thank you. Tracy, let me start by asking you a couple of quite easy questions. Where are you in the world and what have you been up to today? Okay, I am currently in Australia, Brisbane, Australia. Uh, what have I been up to today? I coached this morning, came home, oh, took the kids to school, uh, come home, did the groceries, cooked dinner, how, uh, cleaned the house, went back, picked the kids up, took the dogs for a walk and um, now talking to you. I want to start our chat by asking you about a comment you made on a podcast that I listened to recently in preparation for today, and it's about career advice. And you shared some advice that came from your parents, and I hope I'm quoting this right. Yeah. Your parents said, you can't just step into a role, you need to prove yourself. How has that advice influenced you as a coach? Um, well, I think I was very really fortunate. I've had two parents that are extremely supportive, but also very hardworking people. And um, yeah, they always brought us up, my sister and myself, with the understanding of you have to make your own path in this world. And um, yeah, no matter what cards you dealt with, make the most of the cards you dealt with. And um, yeah, I think I've had many a moment in my life where things haven't sort of gone too crash hot and yeah, you've just got to make sure that you turn things into the way you want it to be. I think that's the most important thing. So yeah, I've been, I've been lucky. I've had hard parents, but good parents. So yeah. Tracy, we've spoken to many great coaches who have been school teachers. You yourself were an art and phys ed teacher, and you started coaching learn to swim programs. You've even said that grassroots coaching is really exciting. What I'm really interested in is what did you bring from your teaching background and those early coaching days into elite coaching? Um, well, I think the understanding of the person or the athlete, I think is really important. And I've been very fortunate that when I was teaching, I had some excellent teachers. And I think in many ways, they formed me as a coach more than some of my coaching peers. It's been the teaching mentors that actually helped me. Um, one lady in particular, one of my head teachers, she took me into a classroom and that's what she turned around and she said to me, Tracy, there's going to be moments where you're just going to want to walk out of the classroom. And she said, it's like a lion's den. If you let them see fear, they'll walk all over you. And it was always something that really stuck with me. And the thing too about sometimes being quiet is actually more powerful than being loud. I thought that was always something that I took into my coaching as well, that it's you don't have to be loud to be heard. And I've sort of coached in that capacity as well, that you just go about your job quietly. And if you do that, your results will speak for themselves. I heard one of your male swimmers actually make a comment to say that when uh, 
Doug Frost was absent for some training and you took over the pool deck that the swimmers thought it would be a little bit of an easy session. And the comment was made that, that Tracy switched into teacher mode and it was one of the hardest sessions that they ever, ever experienced. So I think you undercook what you were bringing from your teaching background into elite coaching a little slightly. Yeah, well, I think it's to, it's your values. And I think that was something that, um, yeah, the behaviour you walk past is the behaviour you accept. And I've always been that and I've always walked that walk that I'm not frightened to call people out if they're behaving poorly or not doing something right. And the same in return, you've got to allow kids to, and I know I get criticised for it, but you've got to allow kids to fail. That's a process of learning and put it in a way that you enable them to know how to develop from that, I think is really important. So that's one thing in teaching we always do. You, you've, you're setting an environment up that's safe for learning and part of that is you've got to fail sometimes to know how to move forward. I want to talk a little bit about that a little later, but I want to just come back to, again, this journey you've had as a, as a coach and those influences that you've had in your life as a coach. You yourself were quite a talented swimmer and you moved into coaching during your university years, as I said, as you were doing your, uh, your teaching degree. You also worked along on the pool deck alongside the great Doug Frost. In your role at the AIS, you also worked alongside many outstanding coaches in their fields. What is it for you that great coaches do differently? Um, I think the best coaches are the coaches that, one, understand themselves, but also have that connection with the athlete. Um, There's a lot of things, too, that standing on pool decks that I've seen that I look and go, I will take some of those things on or I'll like I've been in environments where I've had to and some coaches have told me I've had to change my style of coaching and in some ways you do try and do that but then you're never coaching to your true capacity and I think that's something that as a teacher when I had teachers under me and now as a head coach and when I have been a head coach coaches under myself I've always tried to make sure that they have their own style and I think that's really important that you've got to be authentic to yourself and authentic to your own coaching style. Um, and I think that's that's the beauty of coaching, that when you bring out your own authenticity, you find the real gems and you have those real connections with athletes. So I think it's that authenticity, I would say, would be the true quality of the great coaches. And they know they're they know their stuff. I think that's really important too. Know your product, know what you're coaching and good teachers know how to teach. So, yeah. It's a great quality. Um, I want to also just dive a little bit into what you're best known as, as a coach. Uh, You guided Australian swimming legend Ian Thorpe to Olympic success, none more famous than the events of Athens in 2004 but you have also coached so many household names in Australian swimming, and it's a long list. Craig Stevens, Kai Hurst, Simon Cowley, Bronte Barrett, Alice Mills, Jade Nielsen. I'm reading the list because you're known for Ian Thorpe, but you've got such a long list of quality swimmers that you have influenced. My question actually is, as a coach, how do you look beyond the time on a stopwatch to see so much potential? Um, 
Well, I think that's the thing that I, that's the thing I love is when you look across the pool, whether it's a public swimmer or whether it's a, a real talent is actually seeing how people swim and travel in the water. That's my thing. And how can I help them? Like, um, the other, even the other day I had a public swimmer in the pool and I, it, it's been bugging me watching them for the last couple of weeks. And I just said, look, do you mind if I actually give you a piece of advice? And they were like, oh, no. Anyway, I helped them with their kick and they turned around and they said to me, oh, that was so much easier. So I think it's that thirst for helping. I think I have too. But I, um, yeah, that one coach actually said to me one day, oh, you're only to coach middle distance. And I thought, no, I coach, a coach coaches whatever stands in front of them, whether it's a sprinter or an open water. And I think that's something I can hold my head really high that, I'm one of the only coaches in Australia that has done that from 100 metres right through to 10K. I've put a swimmer on an Olympic team. So, and and it does, it brings its challenges as well. So it's made me develop myself and my coaching skills to be able to do that. And I like the challenge. So that's something that I really thrive on too as a coach. The connections you make with swimmers is is obvious, and the, and that example of your your local influence um, to that local swimmer is is a, is a great one. Uh, swimmers respond really really strongly to your sense of loyalty, which today is is sadly foreign to many young people. My question though is, how do you describe your coaching style and philosophy to make those strong connections? Um, well, first. For some kids, it um, it can be instant. For others, it takes a while. I, I sort of explained it to one of my athletes the other day um, as a door. I said, we have the key to the door. Um, some athletes may only have one door. Some athletes may have multiple doors. And as a coach, you've got to find the right key that opens the right doors for them to be able to develop and to be able to pursue their best abilities. And um, as a coach, I think that's the thing that you've got to be able to read the person and get that trust, I think is really important. And that's something that as my parents, that was something that I always had an environment where I had trust around me. I, I was comfortable to to dare I think that was the thing that we um if we wanted to do something we were given every opportunity to pursue that and do it to the best of our ability so I think that's something that I've taken through into my coaching and give kids the ability that you see something in them when people like there's many a coach or a teacher that'll see not something in a kid it's always to look within and see something and try and bring that out and not give up on them. I think that's a really important thing that there's too many people in today's world that will give up on people that if they're not going to get something out of it, I'll just give up where I think we need to be in, especially through this COVID period, we've got to be there for one another. We've got to bring the best out of one another and be there to care. I think that's a, a quality that a lot of us have lost. And, and what for you are the non-negotiables when you coach? Uh, honesty. Uh, I think that's the most important thing, good or bad. Um, so if a swimmer's injured or something's not right, just tell me. I 
don't sugarcoat it. I think that's a really important thing. Um, yeah, honesty and trust. Trust is a big one for me. That They've got to have, like I even said to one of my athletes the other day, I said, you don't trust me. And he said, yeah, I do. I said, no, you don't. I said, if you trust me, I said, you won't question. I said, you'll just do. And he goes, I'm not questioning. I said, you mightn't be physically questioning, but I said, your body language is telling me that you're questioning. And he was like, oh. And he came in that afternoon, he turned around and he goes, I just want to know why am I doing this? And then when I explained it, he's like, okay, I've got it. I said, well, ask. If you don't understand, ask. That's all I need you to do. But don't not ask because I said that's as bad as just going through and just going through the motions. So I think it's really important that kids know why. Your closeness with your your athletes is uh, something you're known for. And if I can dive a little bit into your friendship and closeness with Ian Thorpe, it drew a lot of attention when you became his coach and questions were asked if you could get the best out of him. History has shown that not only you kept Ian on track both emotionally and physically, but you also also successfully silenced your harshest critics, and there were a lot of them. My question is, what advice do you have for coaches who are trying to find that balance between being too close to their athletes and being the coach? Um, well, I think the first and foremost is understanding what your role is and when and where. So when we're on the deck, like I was definitely coach, but I had that level of care and empathy as well. I think that was really important that athletes need to know that you're there no matter what, good or bad, that you're there for them. Um, and I think that was something that I've always tried to have with my athletes. I, um, As an athlete, I went through a pretty traumatic time at the end of my career. And I think that was the thing that I really searched for was that I just needed to have somebody there that was in my corner. Um, so I think that's something. And as far as... Um, silencing your critics I think that was I think that was a hard thing too I think Ian protected me and tried to protect me and guard me in many ways because we did cop a lot of criticism um, that we it wasn't going to be a winning formula it wasn't going to be right um, and I think it, it was hard too because I was I was the first female on the pool deck in an Australian team since 1972 it was it was foreign. I was the assistant coach. So there were many different things and different hoops that we had to try and jump through to try and cement that success. And then even when he did, it was then by some was still seen as it was sheer luck. It was, it was a fluke that had happened. So I sort of carried that around as baggage for quite a long time, that I was lucky, I was very privileged that I had Ian, and I never really took on my coaching achievements with him in many ways, if that makes sense, that I looked and went, I, I just, I should, I should be very grateful. I, I did achieve success, but anybody could have done that. And not until you really unpack what he was actually going through at that point in time that you look and go, wow, we actually as a team did a really good job together, both him and I. And I think that's something too. I always look at it as a team 
not as just one, it's always a partnership. So I think that's something that's really important too when you have a good athlete, that it's, it's a partnership. You, you mentioned there the managing the trauma in, in your life. If it's, if it's not too personal, Tracy, could you uh, describe how it shaped you as a coach? Oh, um, it's definitely shaped a lot of things in my life. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that, um, yeah, I, I went through in the back end of that period of time. Um, yeah, like to be told from one doctor that I may never have children. That, um, that was pretty, that as an 18, 19 year old to be told that I may never have kids because of the damage I'd done to my body. It was, that was pretty traumatic. So, um, yeah, so when I did actually have two children, they were my pride and joy. And that's something that in my coaching, I've always made sure my kids come first. Um, and any athlete I've coached has known that there's my own family and then there's my coaching family. So, um, yeah, that's been really important. But I've definitely made sure that athletes can communicate with me no matter what's going on in their life. I think that's been a really important thing that you're there and pressure, what a lot of people see as pressure, um, it rides in many different ways. And I think that's something that I've been able to navigate. Like when you said, how do you see somebody with talent? Like I can look at somebody and go, right, you're carrying pressure and know the right questions, how to ask it, how to unpack it. And yeah, sometimes you can take the backpack off before they race. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but yeah, I think that's probably one of my skills that I'm really, really, I'm quite good at, and I don't know how to explain how you do it, but I can just look and go, yep, that kid's got this, this, and this. And then you go, right, we've got to do this to get them over the line. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. I was actually going to ask you about how you teach that belief because you once commented that coaching Ian was such a big learning curve for you and that he saw something in you that you didn't actually see yourself. I was actually going to ask you a question about how you managed self-doubt at that time, but I went on to read further in that article and you said, coaching Ian was a huge gift. I now bring that belief with me when I'm coaching others and I teach people to believe in themselves. Trace, it's a wonderful quality to have. And I'm really interested to hear you describe how you teach people this. Um, well, I think all of us 
in every one of us there's gifts and I think half the time we're so in tune to looking to what everything like social media how we were saying about phones that the world looks so perfect through so many different lenses and so many different eyes that we seem to forget to be able to look in the mirror and go what is it that I truly bring to well to the pool deck or to my family or to my friends every day and I think we we're so hard on ourselves that we we forget to actually stop and relish and be gratified, like take the gratification of what we have actually achieved. So like my own kids, I'm always like, make sure you say thankful, be grateful for the teachers that you have in your life, be grateful for the people you have. And I think teaching that sense of gratification takes you a long way that you take the time to stop and look and go, I'm in this place because of the people around me that it's not, I'm just here because. And I think it's really important that you have many different things in your life, that it's not just that you're an athlete, you have many other different facets in your life as well. And I think that's really important to keep balance. But um, in teaching, um, when Ian asked me to take him on, yeah, I really had a lot of reservation about it. It was, I was the assistant coach, I... um, had fear how I was going to be perceived in the coaching world. But, um, and in saying that, like I'd coached Simon and Kirsten Thompson, like I had some really good age group kids too, and I'd had some great success back then. So, but it was definitely a fear, like almost an imposter syndrome that it was, yeah, I don't know whether I'm ready to be on this deck. Um, but going to World Championships 2003, I remember, because I was always probably a lot calmer and um, at, in like national meets. We're at the international meet 2003 and I remember the first morning we're on the pool deck and Ian come up to me and goes, are you all right this morning? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you're like a spinning top. He goes, are you sure you're all right? And I said, what happens if this doesn't work? He goes, well, it's a little bit too late to think that now, isn't it? And I said, oh, and it was good because he actually got in the pool and I saw that young, fun E and I looked at one lane. He wasn't in the lane. I'm like, God, where's he warming up? And he was moving across the pool deck and I said, can you stop it? He goes, it's nice to see you laugh. He goes, you tell me the same. He said, you need to, he goes, we've got this, we're okay. So I think out of that, I soon realised you still got to have fun. No matter where and what it is, there's still got to be fun. And I had one athlete, I remember, a major meet. I said to him, close your eyes. I said, take yourself back to the very first time you're on the pool deck. And he said, what? I said, close your eyes, take yourself back to the very first time. School, swimming carnival, first time you won the gold medal. And you had a massive smile. I said, right, focus that tonight when you get on the block because I said that young boy is still in there and that swam awesome and it was sometimes I think it's just channeling that inner person that it's and we I often have to do it too like I'll sometimes do the same thing I go in the bathroom wash my face get myself ready so yeah but it's just finding that inner strength but I've got good people around me so I'm lucky it's, it's really interesting to hear you speak about those big moments with your swimmers. 
Um, and you always seem to be giving them them the practical advice at really important times. So it's really, really cool to hear some practical advice coming across from Ian to you at a really critical moment in, in his career. I may be looking at some of these these moments with different eyes, but you all you seem very calm though to me. And it's interesting to hear you describe some of that nervousness and that anxiety. My question is for you though, are there any other routines or systems that you have used um, to maintain some calmness either with yourself or with your swimmers during these big moments? Do you do it mainly through humor or are there other systems and routines you use? No, like when I was at Sutherland, I was really lucky. I had a really great um, yoga coach with us, Mark Bredner. Um, it's it's not funny. It's you appreciate the people you have in your programs, but it's not till you sort of look back and go, "Wow!" Like I had a great team. Like I had Graham Hill. I had Kay McFirst. Like all these people that worked with me, Andrew Hunter. Like we had this great little bubble of people at that point in time. When I look back, I don't think I realised how lucky I was with the people I had at that point. That we all worked in harmony and worked for the success of the athlete, that it wasn't about us getting the shirts on our back. It wasn't that. It was about how do we bring out the best in these athletes. And they were definitely a team that tried to support myself as well. So it was keeping myself calm, making sure that my vision was the vision and how we went about that. Like um, I remember our boxing coach, Les, he... Um, he turned around and he said to me, oh, is it all right if I get some of the older guys to come in and pad for us on one of the mornings? And I said, oh, yeah, that's fine. Little did I know he was actually bringing some of these older guys in as mentors for the younger guys. So they'd sit down and have a coffee with them afterwards. And, and it was things like that that I sort of look and go, I was very fortunate I had great people around, like, Mark used to say to me, you need to make sure you take time for yourself today. You need to relax. You need to make sure you're working on some relaxation. So I was very lucky I had great people and those skills that I learned then are the skills that I've taken through now into my coaching now. But yeah, like being a busy mum and things like that, sometimes you, you put yourself last and that's something that through COVID I've had to learn that, okay, Tracy's got to be priority number one again. So, uh, yeah. It may seem like an obvious question for a swimming coach, but when is it important for coaches to step back? Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm a big believer that competition, don't overcoach. Like our job is on the pool deck, coaching times, like training times. And like I'll preach that to my athletes now and, I think the thing too, like I've put swimmers on teams, but I haven't always been on the teams with them. So I think that's been a big learning curve for a lot of my athletes that I've always said, when you go off the shore, you're there to do a job, whether I'm there or whether I'm not there, you know what you've got to do. And I've made resilient athletes. So I think that's the most important thing that, and, and too, if the parents, so I've had some athletes that their parents have been very nervous, like, will they be able to do it? Are they going to be all right? That it's coaching them as well as coaching the kids. I think it's really important too that know their role, know their place. Yeah, like I even know myself. Sometimes you get in the car and you're like, no, 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 stop, stop talking, stop talking. 
just, yeah, and I think that's really important. Listen. I think that's a skill too that I think we've lost. It's a dying art that we hear, but we don't actually listen. So listen to the words that they're saying. And generally when you listen and deeply listen, you hear the things. They'll ask for advice. So if they want you to come down to the marshalling room or can you walk me to the marshalling room? Yes. Are you all right? Are you nervous? I'm worried about, okay, then you talk it through. But if it's, I've got this, great, you've got this. So I think it's really important that you just listen to most of them. So, yeah. We've spoken to a few coaches that have talked about that recentering and bringing themselves down into the blue zone away from the red zone and it sounds like you self-regulate um, you moving in and out of similar types of zone uh, naturally um, but I want to also talk to you a little bit about the belief systems that some of these elite, uh, elite swimmers that have had that you've worked with um, you talked about Ian saying to you that you know we've got this and you build resilient swimmers um, you know, that self-belief was actually one of Ian Thorpe's superpowers. You also commented that some athletes really need to work at this. You know, what advice do you have for coaches who are looking to draw these qualities out in their athletes? Um, well, I think the thing is we sort of, we try to overcoach sometimes. I think those qualities are in kids when they're young. Like you'll see the kids that are the really good little racers and, we take it, we take things away from that, that we look and go, oh, oh, like if it's a soccer match, that the kid that's the one that's the loud one on the field, they're, they're a born leader. Like skills start to show and will naturally take the forefront in the true, true athletes. And it's just developing those things. I think that's the part and underdeveloping something. So looking and going, well, actually, they're over cocky in this. Well, like I remember a couple of my athletes weren't good at something, so I introduced things and I knew they were going to fail that, that it was, okay, now you've actually got to learn to work hard for something. So because there's a lot of athletes and a lot of kids that things come really easy to them and they've never had a hardship. So then when a hardship does come, they don't know how to handle it. So if it's a disappointment like missing an Olympic team, and they've never had a hardship, it's going to hit hard. So it's putting things in place that you look and go, right, if this happens, what things are we putting in place to prepare this? So, yeah, it's sort of not a crystal ball, but sort of looking and going, radio. if this is going to happen, like we do stand, I do dry swims sometimes. I might, I call them get out swims that, I might write up on the session, okay, if you're within this percent of time, that's it for the session. They're like, oh, really? So then you see the kids that really lift and then there's others that go, oh, I can't do that, can't do that. They're the ones that you know, okay, on race day, you've actually got to help them because they haven't got the skills. It, it sounds like your ability to connect with your swimmers with giving them, you know, really productive and pragmatic feedback have you got any advice for coaches that are looking to, you know, adopt those sorts of styles and mechanisms of providing player feedback or swimmer feedback or athlete feedback? Um, I think the first thing for themselves is see, see the qualities in themselves too. 
be prepared to hear the things from your athletes. I think as coaches, sometimes we're not prepared to hear that. And like I'll ask often, was that a good set tonight? Did you like this? Or how was your warm up? How, or I'll say, was that, oh, were you all right? How was that race plan? I think ask the questions too, because you need feedback as much as they need feedback, that it's, we don't have all the answers. Yes, we're a coach, but we don't have all the answers. And to create that partnership, you've got to show a little bit of vulnerability as well. And I think that's a really important thing too, that we are human. And if you stuff up, admit it. Like I've, I had an athlete that I changed their gym program and that's what I said. I, I will hold myself re- accountable. I stuffed it up. We shouldn't have done what we did and that cost you that position. And, yeah, I have to live with that. I know I stuffed that up. And, and that's the thing that I think owning it, not harming it off, that it was like, no, that was their doing, that was their performance. It's a partnership. So if they haven't done something, it's what haven't I done to facilitate that as well? You've, you've spoken a lot today about uh, mechanisms, systems that you've used and resources you've used to, that you found helpful as a coach, you know, introducing yoga, uh, bringing the, the boxing element in. But you also touched a little bit there on the resource of you being able to get feedback on yourself how have you found these types of resources and, and maybe some other resources helpful as a coach um well i think i live in an environment where i have honesty quite often so my family and yeah i um so it's just how i've been brought up that it's yeah it's um yeah it's not the um let's just paint everything perfect that's not how the world is so and um, yeah, if something happens, you turn it around. So I think I've, um, I like feedback too, um, but I like, I like it in a way that is honest and it's authentic, not just the sake of, I'll just give you feedback for the sake of giving feedback. It's not, it's gotta be actually genuine. It's gotta be authentic. It's, um, like I remember one athlete, um, we're at World Short Course and I warmed them up and they, I didn't think they'd make the final. They made the final and they're actually a medal chance. I yeah, overspoke really badly and um, they got out of the race. They swam really well and got out of the race and they just said to me, Trace, can I give you a little bit of feedback? And I said, yes, yeah, certainly please don't talk so much in warm-up again. It really actually it made me even more nervous. I said, okay, point taken, done. I said, let's write that in the diary. So, yeah, I'm, and I, lo- I like to reflect too. Like I'll write in my diaries too, like, yes, good session today or not good session. Um, note to self, don't do this. Or, yeah, I'll even sometimes journal it or I'll have that conversation driving home from training to myself. So, yeah, I like to, I definitely like to be reflective. I think that's a really important thing, but giving myself time to do that, I think is important. I think it's a really important lesson for everybody that feedback can come from some of the most unlikely of sources and places and times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, even during COVID, um, the kids went to take the dog for a walk and 
I went out the front gate and this lady stopped and she goes, excuse me, are you their mother? And I, I thought, oh, my goodness, like, what have we done? And she turned around and she said, oh, can I just say, she said, your kids say good morning or good afternoon to me every day when they walk past. And I said, oh, thank you. I said, that means a lot to me as a parent. And, yeah, I thought, like, so little things like that, I think we're forgotten in the world just to compliment one another and it means a lot like that means you're actually doing a good job so yeah so I think like feedback doesn't have to just be in your coaching world it can be in all aspects of the world yeah I think we can all welcome additional feedback into our lives uh, more regularly Tracy this is my last question for you today you are one of Australia's most decorated swimming coaches your swimmers talk so fondly of their time with you as a coach. And earlier you mentioned uh, Kirsten Thompson. She actually once said that, I feel that without Tracy's input, I may still have been an age group swimmer and may never have made an Olympic team. Um, she was one of the members of the uh, the relay team at one of the Olympic Games and had success at, at various other big swimming moments. For you though, Tracy, what legacy do you believe you are leaving as a coach? Um. Well, see, things like that actually really touch me when you know that you've had an impact. I think I think that's the most important thing. Like um, like one of, like Chloe Esposito, um, she's a modern pentathlete. So um, she came in and did some swimming with us and I had to help her with her turns. Her dad said, can you help with her turns? Um, yeah, she's just had a baby and... I think it's those moments too that you still have a connection in their life. I think that's a really important part that you look and go, you see them through their ups and downs, but most importantly that you're still part of their life. And I think that's that's the gold medal for me is that I can still have any one of my swimmers that I could pick the phone up and go, how are you doing? And they still want to have a connection with you in their life. I think that's that's the moment that I want in my life that I know that I've made them the best athlete they could, but also a really good human being too. So that's my legacy, I think. Yep. What a wonderful way to end this today. The ability to educate, mentor and coach and do all of that without fuss or fanfare is a very, very special quality. We all need more people like Tracy Menzies in our lives. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you. The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Paul here. You have been listening to our discussion with Tracy Menzies Stegbauer, the Australian swimming coach most known for coaching five-time Olympic champion Ian Thorpe. The key highlights for me were her thoughts on being honest when your coaching mistakes impact the athlete's performance, being able to spot when athletes are carrying excess pressure, and how Ian Thorpe helped her deal with self-doubt. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Jim and I did. In our next episode, we will be speaking to Chris O'Brien, the lead performance consultant at the Australian Institute of Sport and Australia's most successful rowing coach. Here is a sneak peek. My, my own personal opinion is, is that connection with athlete. The athletes who win Olympic gold medals are good athletes. 
the athletes who come second, third, fourth, and fifth are also really good athletes. So there's a difference as to why some win and some don't win. And it's therefore, I think, for, for good coaches to get the most out of the athletes that they have. And, and I think we can all identify amazing athletes who have not been um, successful in achieving, say, an Olympic gold medal. Um, and there are a variety of reasons as to why. But the great coaches, I think, are really those who, uh, that I look at, uh, are those who really manage to harness a human spirit, a human endeavour, and to truly understand the people that they're working with. And just before we leave, if you know a great coach who has a unique story to share, then we would love to hear from you. Please contact us using the details in the show notes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.